It is Monday, October 3rd, and this is People Every Day. Welcome back, everyone. It's me, Janine Rubenstein. I hope you're all enjoying the first week of spooky season. Uh, Now, spooky is one thing, but in the world of downright terrifying, we have to talk about the Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix. The whole Dahmer story is crazy on its own, of course, but now the series is getting backlash surrounding the depiction of the LGBTQ plus community and the treatment of crew members of color. And later on, we're getting a preview of the BET Hip Hop Awards with this year's host, Fat Joe. But first, let's catch you up on some of the biggest stories of the day. Kim Kardashian is paying up. The reality star and Skims founder agreed to pay the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission $1.26 million to settle charges that she didn't reveal that she received a quarter of a million dollars to make an Instagram post promoting Ethereum's Emacs tokens, a crypto asset security product, along with a link to the company's website for would-be purchasers. Back in June 2021, the Kardashian star posted an ad on her Instagram story that read in part, Are you guys into crypto? This is not financial advice, but sharing what my friends told me about the Ethereum Max token. Basically, the SEC claimed Kim did not share that she received payment from the company for promotion, which when it comes to securities like crypto is a legal no-no. Kim's settlement essentially is her paying back the $260,000 she was paid for her endorsement, plus a $1 million fine. While Kim K's camp didn't directly admit to or deny the SEC's findings, her lawyer stated that their client, quote, fully cooperated with the SEC from the very beginning and added that Kim, quote, wanted to get this matter behind her. A lawyer for the SEC stated that this case should be a reminder that the law requires celebrities and others to, quote, disclose to the public when and how much they are paid to promote investing in securities. Now, forking over $1.26 million might sound like a lot to you and me, but when it comes to the Kardashians, well, Kim will be just fine. Native American actress and activist Sasheen Littlefeather died yesterday from breast cancer. Littlefeather rose to national prominence at the Oscars in 1973 when she refused to accept the award for Best Actor on behalf of Marlon Brando for his iconic performance in The Godfather. She instead shared her criticism of Hollywood for its derogatory depictions of Native Americans. At the time, Littlefeather was an up-and-coming actress who had accumulated a few credits in films like Winter Hawk, Shot the Sundown, and The Trial of Billy Jack. But during her short speech on behalf of Brando, Littlefeather's reception was mixed at best. And as you can hear, she received a smattering of applause and boos. That he very regretfully cannot accept this very generous award. And the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry. Excuse me. Little Feather was blacklisted after this appearance, but as a press release following her death states, she, quote, dedicated her life to the health and wellness of Native people everywhere. She was known for her sense of humor, quick wit, and fierce advocacy for Native American and Indigenous communities. Her obituary states that she tirelessly worked, quote, to end the stereotyping of Native people in the film, television, and sports industries. As a result, Sasheen was professionally boycotted, personally harassed and attacked, and discriminated against for nearly 50 years. 
Just a few weeks ago, the Academy offered Little Feather a formal public apology and honored her at an event called An Evening with Sasheen Little Feather back on September 17th. The Academy president, David Rubin, penned a letter of apology to her back in June. And in response, the model and actress publicly stated, quote, I am here accepting this apology, not only for me alone, but as acknowledgement, knowing that it was not only for me, but for all of our nations that also need to hear and deserve this apology tonight. Sasheen Littlefeather will always be remembered as a courageous person, and our hearts go out to her friends and her family. And now we'll keep our focus on Hollywood as we turn our attention toward all the talk about Netflix's Jeffrey Dahmer series. I hear screaming coming from your apartment. I'll just try and say I'm sorry. She gonna open your gift? Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, dropped on Netflix on September 21st and is still generating a ton of buzz and backlash, starring Evan Peters as Dahmer, along with Niecy Nash, Molly Ringwald, and friend of the show, Delon Burnside. The show chronicles the story of one of the most well-known serial killers. Like all biopics, whether it be a movie or a series, people weigh in on how things are portrayed. And with Dahmer, there seems to be praise on one hand for the acting, but also a lot that's rubbing people the wrong way about the content. There's a lot to get into here. So joining me now to do just that is People's Senior Crime Editor, Patrick Rogers. Hey, Patrick, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. So, Patrick, I know you covered this case when it actually happened over three decades ago in 1991. And during your reporting of this case, you even visited Dahmer's home. So looking back on that moment in time, what sticks out to you most about that period? Well, it, you know, I did go to Dahmer's home and I, and I remember thinking, like standing outside that door, like it's unimaginable the the horrors that took place within and just like, how could a human being do this to 17 or more men and boys that this guy killed? And I just remember thinking, I, I'm going to have to deal with that later. I'm, I'm going to have to try to figure out what's, you know, going on here later. But right now, I just need to know the facts. I just got to find out what actually happened inside that apartment. Well, let's get into the backstory and the series that is happening now. So for those who don't know or are just now seeing his name everywhere because of this series, who was Jeffrey Dahmer? Jeffrey Dahmer was a young man in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who between like 1978 and 1991, when he was arrested, killed at least 17 men and boys, largely black and people of color. And was also confessed when he when he was finally arrested after one of his victims like got out of his clutches and was running down the street with a handcuff on partially naked. And finally, cops went to this apartment and found that this guy had also dismembered bodies, confessed to cannibalism, necrophilia, just truly the most horrific crimes that I had ever heard about. So Dahmer confessed to police all of his crimes, maybe not all of them, but 17 of them. He was convicted of, I think, 16 murders, went to jail and with multiple life sentences and within two years had been killed by another inmate in the prison bathroom. For sure. I'm noticing that people 
are finding fault as it appears to glorify the rape or torture and murder of Black and brown people in the LGBTQIA plus community at the hands of a white man who some seem to now romanticize. I've heard both sides of this and people saying that, you know, call attention to the fact that these are Black and brown people. Let's call a spade a spade. And others saying, do we really need to see this? And does this really need to have the LGBTQIA plus stamp? So what do you think of just the portrayal of the actual events and whether you mentioned sensationalized, do you think that's concerning for you? Well, yeah, I think one thing that it actually gets right and that is not sensational and and needs to be said is how this guy was able to do that. That's sort of his MO by moving in both the LGBTQI milieu there in Milwaukee and preying on Black and brown people and getting away with it over and over again. That needs to be said, and, and I, I'm glad it does that. But the glamorization that, that I think you're also talking about, the fact that people find the actor who plays, you know, Dahmer attractive, the fact that, like, his glasses that he wore, his gold rim glasses are supposedly going to be, you know, auctioned off for hundreds of thousands of dollars, that people are talking about dressing up as Dahmer for Halloween. I find I find all of that sick. And I do think that's a result of of both the filmmakers glamorizing it a bit. And but then also I don't know that it's all the filmmakers' fault. That's kind of a sign of the times that we live in a little bit. Well, so not only has this miniseries, you know, generated a ton of conversation, it is also being talked about within the ranks of the crew and what it was like to actually be there on set making this. One crew member named Kim Alsup spoke out on Twitter about what her time was like working in the show. And she said that the trailer gave her PTSD, just seeing the trailer, and that there were no mental health coordinators on the site. So, I mean, one, I'm just wondering about the toll it took on you actually covering those live events. And then what do you think of what she has to say about having that experience on set and not really having any resources there? And also she she said she was treated horribly while filming. I was definitely disturbed to be working on this story and I had nightmares. I don't, I don't have PTSD, but I did have nightmares. It was a very dark sort of few weeks there. And I also went back for the trial a year later. And yeah, you relive it. I find Kim Alsop's story just incredibly disappointing, though, because, you know, in light of the fact that the promotional materials like this was being told from the victim's perspective, specifically Glenda Cleveland, the character played by Nisa Nash, is, you know, is a Black woman. It's a composite of, of characters of Dahmer's neighbors. But she's the voice of sort of the Black community, the Black residents of that building who are saying, like, where are the police? Why is this happening over and over again? So given that she is one of the leading characters in the film, to hear that there were, like, perhaps two Black crew members, and that both women, and called by each other's names, by other crew members, and it's disturbing. Yeah, I can see why, I can see why people are upset. Well, people are are sharing their opinion, of course, on the show, on social media, as we said. A lot of buzz, a lot of backlash. Do you think people are tuning in to watch Dahmer because of the story or because of all the backlash it's receiving? 
I think it's both. People are flocking to it for the content itself. If you look at you know audience reviews online, it's they're consistently very very high, even if it got critically kind of mixed reviews. But the fact that we're talking about it, all of this controversy, I I do think it's kept it in the news as a story, and that brings a lot of people to watch it as well. There's a certain section of the of the audience that is interested in and in how these things are made and faults and how they could have been better made. But like I said before, it's a sensational storytelling of just a, the most phenomenally shocking crime spree. So I think it's both things, you know. Well, there was just so much to get into and you helped me so much and just understanding all of this. So I really appreciate you coming on to discuss it with me. Thanks, Patrick. You're welcome. The BET Hip Hop Awards are tomorrow night. And to get you prepared for what's in store, we're sitting down with the host, Mr. Lean Back himself, Fat Joe. But first, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. And I am very excited for this next story as we put the spotlight on the talk's Natalie Morales and how she's finding happiness and success. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. We are back. And since it's Hispanic Heritage Month, I thought it would be nice to highlight people's recent conversation with Natalie Morales. It was just announced earlier today that Morales will be joining CBS 48 Hours as a correspondent, becoming the first ever Latina moderator of the long-running true crime program. But the new role is just one of many things the CBS The Talk co-host has to smile about. As she shared with us in a recent exclusive interview, after so many years, I need laughter in my life. I am so happy. Morales joined The Talk a year ago next week after ending her tenure at NBC as part of Today, Dateline, and Access Hollywood, where she became the first Latina co-host of The Today Show. Morales shared that since she's been covering the lighter side of news on The Talk versus her time taking a more hardline approach on Today, uh, she's finally been able to show more of herself, saying, quote, Everything has happened to me in this last year of this show. So I think they see it's the real Natalie. It's not that they didn't see that before, but they see all sides of me that I think being a news anchor didn't necessarily allow me to be. The talk airs at 2 p.m. on CBS. And for Morales, having a later call time than her 3 a.m. wake-up call for the Today Show means she has more time to spend with her family. She's refreshed and relaxed, and her friends have taken notice. The mother of two shared with us, quote, It's so interesting because a friend of mine recently texted me, oh, I was watching the show and I see so much more of your personality now. The Natalie I know is what I am seeing. Great to hear that Natalie Morales has found such a great fit. And really, it's a reminder to all of us that finding that true work-life balance, not the creepy kind and severance, like the real kind, is really important to living a happy and fulfilling life. (laughs) 
now I know that it's fall and we're getting some cooler temps here and there, but it's about to get hot because the VET Hip Hop Awards are almost here. The show is back down south in the Peach State, that is Atlanta, Georgia, where Grammy-nominated rapper Fat Joe will be representing the Boogie Down Bronx as he is set to host. Drake is leading the nominations bracket with 14 big ones, while Kanye West and, or sorry, Ye, and Kendrick Lamar are not too far behind. So, you know, everyone will be leaning back with Fat Joe to watch. It is going to be Can't Miss TV. And the host with the most is here with me now to take me into how he's prepping for the big night and what fans can look forward to. So it's so great to talk to you. How are you? How you doing, Janine? The way the only way to prep for a show like this is called Team No Sleep. A lot of rehearsing, <laughs> a lot of thinking, a lot of detail, a lot of positive vibes and energy coming through. Well, congratulations on the hosting gig. And you're also co-producing the show. So you've won awards and been on that stage a lot. But how does it feel to step into that role? Well, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for this. When I got the call from the boss lady, Connie Orlando, she was like, is you sitting down? And she, I was like, why? And she was like, because I'm talking to the host of this year's BET Hip Hop. I was like, ah! I'm going to give it 110%. Uh, we're going to have a great time. We're going to represent the culture. You know, it's on. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Wow. Well, yesterday you did something in celebration of the awards ceremony that got mm-hmm. fans just excited even more. You gave away free food from one of the buzziest tourist attractions in Atlanta, Slutty Vegan Restaurant. So, yeah. so how did that come about? And are you a vegan fan? Not so much a vegan fan, but I ate me a sloppy toppy burger. Let me tell you something. <laughs> the very best vegan hamburger I have ever tasted in my life. This Slutty Vegan it is unreal. Okay. I, I couldn't believe it. Okay. <laughs> well, you said that you want this year's show to be the greatest show ever made. So what can you tease about it? Yeah, hip-hop <laughs> is about swag and, and, and being wavy and from your mm-hmm. clothes down to your jewelry, to your sneakers, to your cut, to, you know, that's what's so special about hip-hop culture And so we got to bring that energy to uh, the BET Hip Hop Awards where we are allowed to be who we want to be and be proud of it and be celebrated for it. Well, I I know that you also host your own late night show called The Fat Joe Show on IG Live. And I've talked to uh, Swiss Beats, R&B soul singer, music soul child and Miami rapper Trina, of course, who will be honored with the I Am Hip Hop Award this year. So have you always had a knack for that? It's just about having a conversation the way I do my show is like imagine if you could be a fly on the wall and be privy to a conversation that would not happen otherwise yeah. and so you, you're there and you're like wow Reverend Al Sharpton comes on my show and says that Michael Jackson came to the funeral home in the middle of the night and James Brown is, was his idol so James oh. Brown had passed away. Michael never told nobody. Reverend Al gets a phone call in the middle of the night. And they say, Mr. Jackson is here. He wants to see Mr. Brown. Wow. She said, of course, you could put Michael on. And Michael, how you doing? Thanks for coming. It was here in Atlanta. And he said that when Michael left, he called back the funeral home. And he said, what do you do? He said, oh, no, he just prayed for like an hour, two hours for Mr. Brown. And what else? He said, well, he asked for a comb. And he combed 
James Brown hair the way Mr. Brown combs it. They had it wow. the, the wrong way. And he said, Mr. Brown combs it to the right. And he combed his hair to make sure it was the way James Brown loves it. I mean, these wow. are gems. These are beautiful moments. And that's what I like doing in podcasting. I want to talk about another guest you had on your podcast, a close friend of yours, uh, Wendy Williams. And we know we had heard that she was going to get into podcasting and that we're hearing that, you know, she is, is still just getting healthy. Have you talked to her again recently? And, and how's she doing? Before we go there, mm -hmm. be clear. Okay. This is the book, November 15th, the book of Jose, memoir of my life, pop Bible. This will get you through life. The ups and downs, total transparency. Well, you got to put have that out a shameless there. plug. I got to do it. You know, I spoke to Wendy. Wendy calls me randomly like every two weeks or something. Oh, good. And so she calls me and she says she's going to do a podcast. And she got Kim Kardashian, me, Snoop Dogg, a bunch of people. And I'm praying for Wendy uh, to make it through whatever she's going through in life. Yeah. Because, you know, she gave us so much. She's a part of the American culture, yeah. you know, and so we got to celebrate Wendy. This last question I have for you is just something that has been brought up so much just in the times that we're in. Is it safe? I just want to know, like, how you put out that sense of 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 security around yourself. And, and what do you say to those young rappers in days like this where, you know, you really need to protect yourself? You need to hire professional security. I have them right now. They're behind that door. And so yeah. I'm going to protect myself at all times. Yeah. And so the youth, you have to make that investment. Also, we have to be very, very uh, careful of our surroundings and where we go. And um, the P&B Rock, I never, I didn't know him like that. I met him a bunch of times, but that incident changed my life. Really? And, and yeah, it did. And, and, you know, every time a rapper is killed, it hurts me, but that one really changed my life because they murdered the guy in a public restaurant. If they do that, they're willing to do anything. And it's just so sad, man. It's terrible. I'm just like, imagine I was in that restaurant with my daughter just eating. And yeah. I wasn't the child. Like, it's just, it's just traumatizing for the whole community. I just, I, I want to know that like when you go into these award shows and you're galvanizing this community, um, how are you fostering that positivity, that love? Everything we do is positive. Yeah. Everything I do is positive. I stay in the light and I turn a negative to a positive, like Biggie would say, and know that it's never a failure. It's always a blessing and a lesson behind everything. Absolutely. Well, I am just so amped for this show. Joe, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time. And everyone, be sure to check out the TV broadcast of the BET Hip Hop Awards on BET October 4th at 9 p.m. Eastern and PST. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Before I let you go, do you know what day it is? Here's a hint. On October 3rd, he asked me what day it was. It's October 3rd. <laughs> That's right. It's October 3rd, a.k.a. Mean Girls Day. In the film, Katie says the date out loud almost as a throwaway line as she narrates her relationship with heartthrob Aaron Samuels. Much like how Star Wars fans have carved out May the 4th for themselves, lovers of the 2004 Tina Fey film have taken over October 3rd as their own. 
or as our own, I should say. We here at People Every Day are huge fans of the movie. And while it's still a tragedy that no one ever got fetched to happen, I'd like to take a second and remind you guys that even though I have two kids now, not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. (laughs) And share a message from a very special guest, Mr. Aaron Samuels himself, Jonathan Bennett. Hey there, People Everyday listeners. It's me, Jonathan Bennett, and I'd like to wish all of the Mean Girls fans out there a very happy October 3rd. Being part of this film was truly special, and I'm constantly blown away by all the love and all the support that it still receives. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And please be sure to put December 11th on your calendar because that's when you can catch my upcoming Hallmark holiday film, The Holiday Sitter. And yes, it is the first LGBTQ plus gay rom-com Christmas movie for Hallmark Channel. We're so excited about this. We'll see you on December 11th. Thanks, Jonathan. And thank you all for listening to us today. And I'm already excited for tomorrow's show. I have this feeling, just this sense that it's going to be great. It's like I have ESPN or something. (laughs) Yep, another Mean Girls line. All right, I will talk to you then here on People Every Day.